So giving uh, is uh, a very major subject in the Bible. And um, I, w- I want to start with saying three things about giving. First of all, giving is God's nature. So when we come to Christ and when we come out of darkness and into light, God begins to make us more like Christ. In fact, if they're, uh, they're you know, like we've turned uh, in, uh, in most Protestant circles and, and frankly in a lot of Roman Catholic circles, not just in America, but worldwide, we've kind of changed the goal of Christianity to go to heaven. But that was all completed when Jesus said, it is finished. If you're in Christ, you're going to heaven. (laughs) So, but the real goal is to be conformed to the image of Christ, to be Christ-like. I can't remember the context, but... uh, I might have been in the prayer meeting this morning. I, I get tired enough that I forget these things. I don't remember it was something we were talking about yesterday. But the verse were in 1 John chapter 3 that says that when we, when we see him, we, we shall be like him. For we'll see him as it is, as he is. Like the goal is to know Jesus. Uh we have uh, some married couples in our church. And, you know, in courting, you uh, get excited about getting to know this person. Uh, I was thinking of uh, giving a little gift to the Bradberries, and I thought, you know what, I'll get them a gift certificate to Cracker Barrel. <laughs> because, you know, they, uh, John met Lourdes at Cracker Barrel, and... Uh, John was like telling everyone, you got to go to Cracker Barrel with me. <laughs> I didn't know Cracker Barrel was that good, but I guess he had ulterior motives. Can I have that bottle of water? I, think? I don't think it was the food. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, um, the truth is, when God draws him to us to himself, when he grants us conviction of sin, uh, that hopefully leads us to, be, to, God, uh, to repentance. Repentance is the key to faith, and both repentance and faith are relational words. Now, this might blow your theology a little bit, but even conviction of sin is a relational word. The Holy Spirit, John 16, comes to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the sin that he's mostly convicting you of isn't the cars you stole or the drugs you did or the lying to your parents that you learned to do by age two, which begins about a day after you learn to say mama or dada. (laughs) Uh, But uh, what, what really is the problem in terms of sin is that you're not in relationship with God. You're not submitted to him. And you don't know him. And you think that your Christian friends got religion. Which they're trying to explain, no, no, I didn't get religion. Christ got me. 
So first and foremost, giving is relational because God's a giver. If you're in Christ today, he gave you the gift of eternal life by drawing you to himself, by convicting of your, you of your sin, by granting you, Romans 2, 4 says, the kindness of God grants repentance that leads to life. Repentance is a gift. Remember how the scripture says that uh, Esau sought for repentance even with tears, but he wasn't granted repentance. Uh, if you actually uh, confess your sins with, without excuse making and blame shifting, and uh, if you actually desire from God to change and, and to give up your ways and change to his way, that was all God's work. Uh, you haven't progressed very far in understanding Romans and Galatians, nor, nor frankly any other part of the Bible, if you don't realize, I was fighting like H-E double toothpicks to not get saved. <laughs> you, you, weren't, you weren't seeking for God. You know, we go to these churches and the person says, you know, after the few songs, they, oh, I can't, I can't wonder from this. Uh, they say, uh, you know, last night I found the Lord. And I always want to just stand up and go, liar. <laughs> last night after long years of running he got you pinned in the corner so badly that you had to give up and that's what we call salvation <laughs> it was salvific so anyway giving starts with the fact that God is a free giver he's the giver of life He's the grantor of everything. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father with whom there's no shadow or shade or turning. Uh, everything that's good in this world is a gift from God. And no matter how, how many hours of overtime Connor put in, he didn't earn them. Isn't that cool? So giving is, is part of God's nature. If you study what's called the attributes of God, he's a giver. And therefore, giving is foundational. Now, Paul said in Acts 20, verse 27, that he didn't shrink back from, he's, he's called the Ephesian elders together because he's on his way to Jerusalem and he doesn't have time to take a detour to Ephesus. And he knows by the Holy Spirit that he's never going to see the Ephesian church again. All of us probably have experienced the death of some loved ones. Grief, I think, is the most intimate, intense emotion that humans go through. Not, you know, no one knows another's grief. Uh, and, like, if you could just imagine, like, all this, if the Holy Spirit recently revealed to me 
that I'm never going to hang out with Sydney ever again or John Gray or Logan Carr. I, I would be unconsolable. You know, my mind would go to uh, football games and sports and all kinds of things that I've done with Logan Carr. Uh, you know, my mind would go to uh, the Bible studies that we used to have at Sinclair Community College every week with Sydney before he even ever came to the church. That went on for some months. So Paul knows he's not going to see the Ephesians elders ever again. And so, like, Acts 20, the, uh, around verse 27, 28, starting in verse around 23, when Paul is saying the things he says to the Ephesian elders, you got to understand that it's really important stuff. Because he had planted this church, he'd labored with them, he watched them grow just like many of you have watched your infants come into the world and you've watched them grow and you were there for their first words and their first crawling and their first steps and uh, their first A in school and their first F in school. <laughs> and uh, you know what? Do Oh, wait, I got one here. Let's see. So... Um, It's really sacred ground, but Paul says in Acts 20, verse 27, I did not shrink back from declaring anything that was profitable. Now, if you've been around this church since 2003, like I have, and Catherine, and let's see, Sam Awante, about 2004 or five, I can't remember. Sydney, just before that, around 2004 or so, we met. Um, you realize I haven't talked about giving I guess maybe once in in the 20 years we've been going. Now, uh, my son John taught on it once or twice. Other people have taught on it. But the reason, it, it's a difficult subject because it's so abused. So many, uh, especially in the whole TV world, and if you give, you get, and and, and all that, and uh, it's like they, people become experts at liberating you from your money, which I didn't, you know, that's not a goal I have. On the other hand, it's probably, uh, it's not probably, it's definitely wrong that I haven't taught on this more because it's profitable, it's beneficial to you, to, get, to the kingdom of God, to your friends, to your family. Now, primarily giving is, of course, can be service. You can uh, bake a cake for Teresa's birthday. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, and uh, so forth. Isn't it's your birthday, right? Twenty-one, right? Uh, <laughs> so um, I can't count any higher. At least not when it's ladies are concerned. But. Uh,
you know, there. But giving, giving, as far as financially, breaks down into two concepts, and it's important that you know they're not the same. One is called tithing, and one is called offerings, and they are not at all the same. Not, they're probably not even that related, except they both come under the umbrella of giving. And both acknowledge that God is the ultimate giver, and they have to do with giving back to him who freely gives you all things. So tithing you do to your local church, uh, except in the case sometimes of senior pastors, they might give a part of their tithe to someone outside the church that, that pastors them. But I've never been for, nor of any of the churches I've ever been a part of, been for the, the, the pastor tithing his whole tithe to an outside organization because uh, I had a great, great talk with Ned Berube this week and a couple with Ray, although Ray is feeling so good he kept wanting to ask about the church and I kept avoiding the subject because I don't want to put that on him right now and this was asking about how he's doing and his daughters and so forth. But um, despite the fact that I had a great, probably the best talk I've ever had with Ned Berube this week, um, he's not the only source of ministry in my life. And of course, there's books that I read and all that. But you know who helps me grow the most in the Lord? All the people sitting in the blue pews. And Kyle, who's not sitting in a blue pew. <laughs> Pull a fast one on me. Um, really, uh, there's so many times that someone says something to me, and often it works kind of this way, like someone says something to you, and it really begins to help you two or three or four days later. So tithing, is the word tithing means a tenth, and you give a tenth of your income to the local church. That's not an option. You're not blessed extra generous if you do that or whatever. Now, both tithing and offerings, as we'll get to, have a, uh, an issue that's not that biblically easy to, to, to make clear. Tithing, the issue is, do you tithe on your gross income or your net income? Like so many things, because we think Christians fight too much about things that they shouldn't be fighting about, we take no position. We just want you to understand the arguments for both and uh, be free under God to do what you think God wants you to do. Those who believe you should tithe on your gross, gross it is because the Bible says to tithe on all your increase. And they would say, if you, don't, if you tithe on your net, you're, you're acknowledging that the, the amount the government steals from you, called taxes, uh, comes before God does. And of, of course, uh, one of the things that's quite clear biblically for any civil government to take more than 10% of your income means they are in a massive deception of megalomaniac uh, 
which is idolatry, witchcraft, and of total evil. Because if you add up the local uh, city of Dayton, the, the Montgomery County, the state of Ohio, and the federal government, they are not as important as God. For them, for, so when government has grown to more than 10% of people's incomes, the government is out of control. And the first uh, uh, deception, it, it's amazing how many politicians, not going to name some, you'll all be able to think of some, don't shout them out, uh, are megalomaniacs that are primarily in it to make a name for themselves. And they, you, uh, they're, you know, their subordinates, if they're vice president or whatever, has to start their speech with how great the president is. That's disgusting. It really is. And unfortunately, uh, I would say it has become the biggest and primary motive for why most people who serve in government serve. It's the spirit of Babel. Let us make a name for ourselves. So, uh, you know, whether you should tithe on your gross or your net, uh, that's really for you to work out because the Bible says you tithe on your increase. And some would say the opposite uh, argument is, well, my increase is what I have left after they, if, after they uh, rob me. I was going to use a stronger word, but it, it, it's a family show. <laughs> you can think of your own stronger words if you... If you want. So some would say, well, my increase is what I have left, which is usually about like dollar fifty or so. <laughs> you know, the new IRS shortened form that they're coming out with it says, How much did you earn? Pay that amount. <laughs> so uh, that's what they're of course working toward, because they're megalomaniacs um, so tithing is 10% to your local church and you should really pray into and think about and study tithing sorry Stephen but this is important stuff uh, you should really pray and uh, seek the Lord about whether you're going to tithe on your gross or your net And we, as Grace Christian Fellowship, do not take a position there. Okay. Um, because both arguments, you know, that what you have left is your actual increase, but tithing on your net sort of acknowledges, it puts the government in a place where they come before Christ and where they think they're greater. Oh, trying to turn my phone back on. I don't know how to change things. Hey, uh, Josiah, if you're back there, see if you can change this later uh, after church to uh, it, it stays on and doesn't go to dark screen sooner. All right, so that's two points. Giving is God's nature. Uh, 
we shouldn't shrink back from teaching everything, even though the subject has been quite abused. Um, now we're on point three, defining tithing. So tithing, uh, you often hear uh, American Christians say uh, completely deceived, erroneous statements. 10% belongs to the Lord, and then the 90% you have left, that's yours to decide. Nothing could, that, that is so much deception, you probably haven't even read a page of the Bible if you think that. No, that's not true. But unfortunately, a lot of Christians think that. But a tenth represents the whole all the way back to Abraham, all the way back to basically Adam and Eve. When you give your 10%, you're basically, wor it's an act of worship. And that's why we do it at church. Now, some people have it prearranged that their tithe comes to us in the mail and so forth. I guess I'm okay with that, except, and we put it in for you in the back. But we actually bring it to church unopened and stick it in the offering because it's part of your worship. Because what it says is, Lord, you gave us, you created the universe, you gave us life. It all belongs to you. And so by tithing, we acknowledge that we are going to seek you and study biblical principles to allocate the other 90% as God would have us to extend his kingdom. He might want you to get another degree or a certification. He might want you to buy a bigger house so you can have bigger home groups or uh, so you, can, uh, you know, can have more kids. He might want you to uh, have people over for dinner twice a week instead of once a week, and that costs money. He might want you to give your car to somebody and not charge them. There, there's lots of things that it's God's money, all of it. It's all God's money. That's what you're saying by tithing. And that means if, uh, you know, God doesn't want you to smoke pot, you're in sin if you buy pot. I probably should stop supporting China Buffet quite so much. <laughs> or... My wife would never even go there because the food's not good enough. But Golda goes with me. Uh, <laughs> and Jane's been there with me. Teresa, a few other people. Logan, a couple of people have been there. Um, you know, I probably should buy stock in Kentucky Fried Chicken instead of making so many, so many donations. <laughs> <laughs> So tithing, it, uh, whether you decide on your gross or your net, is your worship to God to say, you, I wouldn't have a job without you. If you have ability to work, ask anyone who's faced a serious illness and it's tough, tough to get back to work. You know, if you have an ability to work, if you have a job, that's a tremendous grace gift. 
it's amazing how much political chitter-chatter uh, is about, like, I'm going to provide jobs. Like, the government doesn't provide jobs. God provides jobs, and free market economies provide jobs more than controlled economies. If the government would shut up and get out of it, it'd be much more prosperous. Now, offerings, on the other hand, are causes that you freely give above your tithe because your heart wants to extend God's kingdom. Your motivation can be compassion for the lost or the poor sometimes or any other thing that extends God's kingdom. It might be for research, for, uh, you know, we, Catherine and I always have discussions about which groups we're going to give offerings to. And we just talked yesterday about adding St. Jude's uh, Children's Hospital. Because uh, uh, unlike, what's the other children's one that's always on commercials? Shriners. You know, the Shriners are a false religion. And despite the fact that they're doing great things for kids in the area of medicine, Ultimately, you're giving to a competing religion to Christ. Where St. Jude's is actually uh, started by Danny Thomas, who was a Catholic. And uh, he's long since dead, but he was a big star when I was a kid. And, and his daughter, Marlo Thomas, uh, her voice is still on some of the commercials. I think, I think she's a little shy about how old she is, so she usually doesn't appear on them anymore because she's older than Catherine and I if that's mathematically possible. Uh, <laughs> way up there. <laughs> but it's a Christian organization, and, and uh, you know, it's an amazing, they, they actually pull in enough uh, giving that nobody gets a bill from, from St. Jude's. Isn't that amazing? And they... Uh, have, have done buku wondrous things for the advancement of understanding of how to fight cancer. And especially childhood cancers. And, you know, on, on all the devastating things you can hear in life, uh, the, To hear that your two-year-old has cancer would be just outrageous. It's one of the things I'm so thankful for is, you know, our youngest is 30 years old now. And we, with four kids, you know, boys tend to, and girls, tend to jump off the bed and break their arms and, and uh, break the face and... Uh, break their brother's arm. <laughs> you know, somehow we, I think uh, Victor once fell getting back into bed when I had this antique furniture. These days, furniture tends to have curved. Uh, the antique stuff was nice and sharp, and he, he got like four stitches, and he had a couple other minor things, but we never had anything major with our kids. It's like, I, I can't believe it. It's Now, the pr problem with offerings is that 
ever since Adam and Eve sinned, the the all the godly, good, wonderful causes you could give to became uh, subject to the first principle you study in economics called scarcity. And there's no Christian organization has enough funds to operate with. So it takes some wisdom. Who's doing a good job? Who's addressing an important enough need? Are they actually addressing it in a wise way? You know, about every week, uh, I consider, you know, we, we give a, a Christian organization called the 700 Club. It's a t- like 20 bucks a month or something. And every week I'm like, maybe we should up that to 40 because of the amazing things they do all over the world with getting the gospel out, operating on uh, people who are born with cleft palates. They have doctors worldwide that perform hundreds and hundreds of cleft palate surgeries uh, in, in nations where they don't have the, the medical doctors to do that sort of stuff for free. Isn't that amazing? They're there at every flood. Uh, they work, of course, in tandem, often with the Salvation Army, which started as a Christian organization and still remains much of it, retains much of its Christian ideas. So with offerings, you give to, it can, an offering can be to a, something special your local church is doing. It can be something that your local church has nothing to do with. One of the reasons uh, I, I think it's important, uh, we, we as a church give to a few uh, missionaries in various organizations, uh, small amounts and 50 bucks for this ministry or that ministry, and we probably have about eight of them or so usually. Uh, but it, I think it's important to, to give some offerings to uh, needs you know of in your local church Again, competing principles. You find the truth by, by understanding biblical competing principles and trying to find where, how, do I, how do I get into this competing principle. Um, you know, one reason to give to offerings within your local church is your local church, at least this one, doesn't have a national uh, base to die from. There aren't millions of people going, What's Grace Christian Fellowship doing these days, and how can we help? There's millions and millions and millions, even like there's probably uh, over a billion Christians who never heard of Grace Christian Fellowship, (laughs) at least a billion. They they say that uh, Christianity has actually now passed uh, Islam as the biggest religion in the world, and uh, they're... uh, is you know somewhere between a billion and two billion Christians in the world, and none of them have heard of Grace Christian Fellowship. On the other hand, one of the reasons to give to offerings that aren't Grace Christian Fellowship is it reminds us that Christ is King of the whole kingdom, and He's doing many redemptive things through many good Christian groups everywhere. 
and they have spiritual battles. There's a reason Compassion International got kicked out of India. But the reason isn't that they weren't a really good Christian organization. They are. The reason is the Hindu government that controls India is, wants to get rid of all the Christian things that are going on in India. So giving to some causes that have nothing to do with Grace Christian Fellowship actually reminds us all the time that the kingdom of God is much bigger than anything we know about. Does that make sense? I think that's important. Now, let's see if I can get this to light up again. Um, when it comes to offerings, there are also two, two uh, competing principles, and they're both contained in Paul's, uh, Paul talks to, 2 Corinthians was actually the last of the, of the 27 books of the New Testament that I actually felt I was starting to understand and I was probably at least 10 years in Christ, and I probably read it at least 40 to 50 times when I began to feel like, oh, I, I, I see where Paul's going here. But Paul tells the Corinthian church about giving in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's have Josiah put those verses on the wall that I asked him about. Are they up there? Okay, good. So I'm going to read it off my phone. Hope not. I don't know. You uh, oh, you did a hybrid, right? So when when he has the brackets, that's the uh, English Standard Version uh, instead of the New American Standard. So generously is in the New American Standard. Bountifully is the English Standard Version. Otherwise, they're the same. Now this I say: He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. I can what's the word there? Uh, there begrudgingly, and then and compulsion has a different word too, right? No? Okay. Go to the next part real quick. No, I guess not. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Now, a couple of things I want to point out here. Three points I want to make from here. The first two are that there's two competing principles here that contradict each other. Because the scripture is full of what I would call divine tensions. Things that seem to be contradictory, contradictory, they're paradoxical, but they're not antithetical. That's one of my favorite little sayings. They seem on the surface to be contradictory, but if you really get dig, dig, dig into them, they're not. The first one is that whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now, that means there's a benefit to you, your family, the, the, the church, to, to be generous. And this church has been amazingly generous. Not only did we pay off 138, we, we have like, I don't know, I haven't counted in a long time. We maybe have 50 adult members. I don't, I don't know how many members we have. But it's 
way less than 100. And I'm pretty sure it's less than 75. Yet we paid off a $138,000 mortgage in four and a half years. And if you notice, we're always taking special offerings um, for various individuals and various causes and so forth. And part of the reason I'm doing this now is uh, you're going to get hit with three or four special offerings in the next few weeks. Uh, we've received, you know, Stephen Shepard, who's very involved in Uganda, has sent us an urgent request and that we're going to be considering taking a special offering for because there are literally millions of Christians dying of starvation in Uganda. During COVID, we gave uh, offerings to uh, various places, especially Marek and his ministry in Poland. And this, we, at the beginning of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, we gave, uh, Mar Mark was rescuing Ukrainians and with his big facility he has in Poland. Uh, we also gave offering some grace, some of your offer, some of your tithe and offering money went to. Um, not Bangladesh, yeah, Bangladesh. And uh, because Christians are starving there during COVID. Earlier, I got a little emotional when I thought about how tough it would be to find out your child has cancer. But can you imagine watching your child starve to death and you don't have a means to do anything about it. That really happens in this world. It's hard to imagine that as Americans because in America, as a general rule, the, the least income you have, the fatter you are. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that. You should probably get that off the tape. But the truth is, you know, through, through all the government welfare things, what tends to happen, no one lacks for food. Sometimes people have less knowledge about what's good for you or not. And so a lot, some of our obesity epidemic that we're having, which that we are in an obesity epidemic and have been increasingly so over the last 50 years, some of that is because of what we eat because of the lack of knowledge about what we should be eating. It's particularly troublesome because our advertising industry is trying to get you to eat all kinds of things you shouldn't be putting in your body. And it's particularly effective for kids. And so you, you have to take a stance sometimes with your kids. No, you're not going to have this or that because I love you and I'm not going to kill you. I remember when we first started doing Kids Rock Club and uh, um, Whiz Kids and all that, uh, we were ministering to a family where their eight-year-old girl weighed more than me. She was over uh, 200 pounds. I was a little smaller back then. Uh, of course, that was 20-some years, 20 years ago. And... Uh, 
we got them a refrigerator because they, uh, the, the dad used all the money on drugs by the fifth of the month. And in addition to getting them a refrigerator, we stocked it with uh, chicken and broccoli and vegetables and all this. And they were very mad at us because they said, we don't want you dictating to us what we should be eating. And they pretty much ate nothing except refined carbohydrates as a way of life. And they didn't want us changing that. And of course, that's a lack of knowledge. So the two competing principles in, in uh, offerings are these. One, he who sows sparingly will, will uh, reap sparingly. That says you should give everything. Get a second job so you can give more. <laughs> but the other one says God loves a cheerful giver. So you shouldn't give above what you can give cheerfully. So sometimes that's probably 25 cents. <laughs> you know, the truth of the matter is giving is uh, money that you don't have to send your kids to college or what have you. And so the, that one is actually pulling the direction of give nothing. Whereas uh, he was so sparingly, and it's very much like uh, there's a type of ex exercise, I'm sure many of you know of it, it's been around since the 60s, called isometrics. And you're, you're, you, you build strength by using muscles opposed to each other. You don't need any barbells or machines or whatever, you're just pulling opposite directions. And God, through Paul, by the Holy Spirit, put these two competing principles in one uh, sentence. The one says, don't give anything. Only give what you can give and go, whoopee, you know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And uh, the other one says, give a lot. And God has actually given you that so that if, if you're a married couple, you should actually talk and pray together about which ministries you're going to support and at what level. I remember there was a Christian ministry years ago that was advertising for only $8 a month, you can feed such and such and such and such. So we decided to add that one to our list, at, and uh, we gave $8 a month. <laughs> now, that seems like small potatoes, but uh, they probably bought small potatoes. But, uh, <laughs> but it was interesting that as soon as we signed up for them, they began to spend more than $8 a month on their efforts to, give, get, to, uh, to get us to give more. The amount of mail and telemarketing calls and things we got from that organization definitely cost them more than $8 a month. And so we actually stopped giving to that organization. Uh, so anyway, uh, all that on tithes and offerings is, is to say, uh, you know, sometimes you should give less. 
Sometimes you should give more. Sometimes you should give to causes that, that we're endorsing as, as a church. Um, uh, uh, sometimes you should give to causes that we don't even know about. Sometimes you can have some fun with there was uh, there's a lot of Christian ministries for for I don't know why in Boulder, Colorado, probably because Dobson moved there first. Now there's like a hundred of them, and uh, you know uh, the whole giving generously. Many of you know uh, one of our founding fathers was a man named Benjamin Franklin. He made breakthrough paradigm level discoveries about electricity that you wouldn't have your smartphones and your uh, email and computers had he not uh, made those breakthroughs. Yet he was uh, agnostic, not uh, in the, in the, there's two definitions of agnostic, in the sense that, that he didn't know if there was a God, nor could, could you know, kind of thing. And there was uh, an evangelist uh, at, who was uh, at, part of the holy club that God moved on to, to start the Great Awakening with Charles Wesley and John Wesley, and he was the, the third famous guy, George Whitfield. And, and uh, when George Whitfield would preach up and down the coast of, of the colonies, uh, he would preach in Philadelphia. And every time he preached, Ben Franklin would give all his money. But it started with his just giving all his money in his pocket. So he actually determined that he was going to stop carrying money when he went to hear George Whitfield. <laughs> and uh, uh, he ended up going through the crowd borrowing money and writing IOUs <laughs> because he was so moved because they were give, the, the support he was raising for orphanages in Georgia. So uh, that's a, a little bit longer teaching than I thought it would take, as always. And uh, sorry, Stephen, um, but he's ready now for next, next one. Uh, this, is, this has been uh, a thing that our church is characteristic of. And I, again, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to teach the give so you get thing, but actually the verses we read in Second Corinthians say that. And, uh, you know, by God's grace, Catherine and I, uh, you know, put a lot of finances in this church in the early years because we didn't have anybody. And uh, we were in the inner city and doing, but, but God has paid us back uh, through two inheritances that we've got every dime we ever spent. And uh, one of the most amazing things in the history of Grace Christian Fellowship for me has been this. There was a great recession that hit in 2008. Uh, I can't, I think it was October 15th and November 15th, wasn't it? And in that 30-day period, one-third of the world's wealth disappeared on paper because of the stock market crashes worldwide. It was a real dark time financially. And it was, uh, there was, uh, it was accompanied by 
very high levels of unemployment. And it was really in 2008 that, we, that the Grace Christian Fellowship began a trend that is still going on today where almost everyone has landed better jobs than they expected. Uh, promotions that, that came out of nowhere and made more money than they thought they were going to make. And uh, as you know, we went uh, through a shakeup uh, three or four years back where we lost uh, John and Jason, but we, we lost our four biggest tithers in about a year's time. And by God's grace, our income in tithes and offerings has not gone down at all. Isn't that amazing? And it's beca because if, you know, we have kind of a tradition in this church, when people get engaged, they come up and say, we got engaged, and, and everyone's happy. Uh, we do the same when people are pregnant, expecting babies and so forth. If we did that for people who got raises and promotions and better jobs, we wouldn't have enough time for the service. God has been amazingly faithful to this church in terms of, uh, and I think that the correlation between how gracious and giving this church is is a very real thing. I mean, Liz was just a normal person. Now she's a TV star. <laughs> oh, I saw your commercial again this week. So anyway, let, let's uh, end there and uh, have, um, uh, let's, let's come forward, the communion ministers come forward if they're not forward already.